Well, again, good morning. We are so glad that you are awake and then joining us today. Uh, God has such a plan for your life. Uh, thank you, praise team, for just being that. And like Ron started out this morning, again, let me wish all the mothers happy Mother's Day, especially my mama if she's watching, and the mother of my children. And uh, so we just want to uh, hope your day and bless you with more than you ever dreamed possible. May today be a day of complete, utter, blissful joy for you and that you enjoy all the presence of God in your life. And uh, so we're going to jump right into the Word. Let me encourage you to hang around until the end of uh, the message today because we have some uh, exciting announcements uh, coming up. Um, And over the past couple weeks, guys, what we've been looking at is a series that we titled who is God or who is this God and we've been going through and looking in the word how God has revealed himself in different ways um so many times Carrie we we get the idea that we've got God figured out and he's he's in our little box and we've shoved him in there and we've crammed him in there and as long as he fits in this category that I understand and that I can grasp and get my head around, then that's God. How in the world can my puny little mind honestly grasp the creator of the universe? How can I honestly understand who he is? And so what happens is, is when we start looking in the word and we start seeing things, let me encourage you some... (laughs) I'm going to get sacrilegious, okay? Okay. Let me encourage you, please do not let your theology get bigger than your God. Uh, And you say, well, what do you mean by that? Because everybody has a theology, and theology is good. Trust me, have a degree in theology. I, I understand about theology. But it's been my prayer for years now. God never failed to just blow my mind. And if it's against something that I think that I understand, and even if it's against something that I think I know, then that's okay. I'm willing to let go of what I think I know for who you really are. And I think we're afraid to get to that point sometimes. That we're really afraid to get past the point of our understanding compared to who he really is. And I just want to encourage you. I just feel the need to encourage you of that because, you know, I, we, we were so bad to fig- think we've got it figured out and never want to make or learn or grasp anymore. And so when God starts revealing himself through the word, like we've looked at this week, the first week we looked at Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord is my provider. And whatever I need and whatever I have need of, he provides for me. And then we looked at his name as being El Shaddai. Maybe I should have saved that one for today for Mother's Day. Because it means he is the breasted one in whom we take, you know, man and woman both was created in the image of God, right? Uh, that he is the breasted one who we come to and we supple from and we nourish from and he is supplies more than enough. And last week we looked at Jehovah Shammah, which means that no matter where we're going or what we're going through, it means the Lord is there. He's already there in your future. He's been there in your past and he's guarding your life in the present from the mistakes of your past. 
And so today I want to just continue to look at how God reveals himself in his word and how often when he does, we declare that, oh, that can't be him. Uh, I struggled this week on knowing which direction I wanted to go, and uh, which generally doesn't happen. He, the Holy Spirit usually tells me sometimes months in advance of things that I'm going to minister and, and, and the directions to take. And um, he, uh, and I struggled, and I, I read something from a friend of mine back in West Virginia, and uh, most of Harvest is, is uh, familiar with uh, Bishop Anthony Hudgens from uh, Eagle Sanctuary. He posted on Facebook this week, he said, a simple message, a, a preached simple message can bring, back, bring about miraculous results. And I thought, that's what we're missing it. Sometimes we try to overcomplicate God. And I think in a lot of places we try to overcomplicate him is in the next two weeks, I am going to look at probably, of all the names of God that we're going to look at, I think the next two weeks are going to be the most, I don't want to say useful, but for lack of better words, I think is the foundation of it all. And so if you got a Bible and you want to turn to it, uh, go to Jeremiah 23. We're going to read verses 5 and 6. And I'm reading out of the complete Jewish Bible today for, for a lot of this. Um, since we're looking at a lot of the names of God and they're revealed in the Old Testament, I wanted to see a real Jewish understanding of these names. So I went and, and, and started digging out some uh, Jewish Bibles. And so uh, the complete Jewish Bible of Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6 says this, says the days are coming, says Adonai, when I will raise a righteous branch for David. Now he's, this is a prophecy of Jesus. Okay. He's prophesying about Jesus coming. He said, and the days are coming, says Adonai, when I will raise a righteous branch for David. He will reign as king and succeed. <laughs> he succeeded. He's not, God's not still trying to accomplish his work. He accomplished his work through Jesus. Come on. And that's why Jesus said it's finished. The plan's done. That's why Ron was talking about we're trying to get all these things. We don't have to get all these things. We got these things. He says, and he will succeed and he will do what is just and right in the land. And in his days, Judah, or Judah will be saved Israel will live in safety, and now here it is, this is the kicker, and the name given to him will be Adonai Sidkenu, or Jehovah Sidkenu. Okay, what's that mean? That means the Lord is our righteousness. The Lord is is our thank you the lord is our righteousness you say well why why does why is that a foundational belief because what we've tried to do in so much of our lives is we have tried to set a rule book and we've tried to set the standards and we've painted this box and they say as long as you do these things you are righteous so what that does is then that turns my righteousness over to my hands 
Come on. I've got peoples in here. Come on. What that does is it turns my righteousness over into my hands. Well, folks, we're going to look at some scriptures in a minute that you don't want your righteousness in your hands. Jehovah Sidkenu, he came so that he would be our righteousness, so that our efforts to obtain righteousness with God is null and void. There's no religion that's going to set you right with God. There are no rules that are going to keep you righteous. There is no set guidelines that are going to keep you righteous. My righteousness is Jehovah Sidkenu. He is my righteousness. I don't have righteousness. I am not righteous. So he gave me his righteousness. Oh, you got to understand this. You say, why? Because this is what keeps a revolving door happening in our churches. We don't teach people that God is their righteousness. And so they're constantly trying to get on the hamster wheel of doing the right thing and saying the right words and making sure I got all the right boxes ticked. And all of a sudden, oh, I, I mess up one time. I just, I, I give up. I can't do it. I fouled. I, I did this. I might as well just quit. No, don't quit because it's not based on you. I'm, this is going to get a little graphic. But I'm just going to read to you the way the complete Jewish Bible puts it. This is why you don't want your righteousness or your attempts to make yourself righteous in your hands. Isaiah chapter 64, verses 6 through 9. And again, I'm reading from the complete Jewish Bible here. I'll give you times to tap your screens or flip your pages, however you do it. It's all good. It'll get you to the same place. But Isaiah 64, verses 6 through 9, he says here, all of us are like someone unclean. And our righteous deeds are like menstrual rags. That's gets a lot graphic. King James cleaned it up a lot. He says, our righteousness is filthy rags. But that's how they viewed, and when God wrote this, when Isaiah wrote this, this is how he said, my attempts to make myself righteous is as worthless as one of these rags. <laughs> so how in the world can I ever make myself right with God when I come before God and that's what my righteousness looks like? Oh, please, somebody. He said, we wither all of us like leaves and, in our, and, and our misdeeds blow us away like the wind. And no one calls on, the name, on your name or bestirs himself to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and caused our misdeeds to destroy us. And that's where we leave most people. And that's where most of our messages stop. All your righteousness is filthy rags. God has turned his back on you and your misdeeds. Now notice it didn't say that God destroys us. It says our misdeeds destroy us. First change your mindset about God. He's not out to destroy you. It says our misdeeds just, And so we leave people there, Carrie. 
We leave them there. Your, your righteousness is filthy rags. You're worthless. You're scum. Just leave it. But if we would read verse 8, but now, everybody say now. Poke your person sitting beside of you at home. Say now. If you ain't got nobody sitting beside of you, poke your dog, kick your cat, do something. Say, but now. But now, Adonai, you are our father. That's the very next, that's two verses down. From our righteousness is filthy rags, but you are our father. See, I, my righteousness can't go in my hands. I need Jehovah's Sid Canoe. I need to understand he is my righteousness. It's not about me. This has never been about me. It's been about him and his work. He says, but now Adonai, you are our, our father and we are the clay. You are our potter. Now, verse 9. <laughs> Don't be so very angry, Adonai. Don't remember crying forever. Lord, please, we are all your people. <laughs> See, we get stuck on what our righteousness looks like. And folks, this is why Jesus came. This is why Ron was singing about the foot of the cross. Because it's at the foot of the cross is where God said, Jesus himself said, I will take humanity's version of righteousness. That dirty, that filthy, that, mis that used up rag that is no longer used for anything, I will exchange your filth for my glory. And I will give you a rope at the foot of the cross. He is Jehovah Shama. He, Shama. He is Jehovah Sidkenu. He became your righteousness. You don't have to try to be righteous. You don't have to try to work it out. You don't have to try to struggle to get it. You don't have to try to come in and make your way into the cross. He made a way into the cross. His name was Jesus. He became humanity so that on the cross, he became your righteousness and he took your filth. Yeah, but see, because this is what always happens. Yeah, but you can't change it. His name is you are. See, that when we read that Jehovah said, the Lord is our righteousness. That was a prophecy of the Jesus. He is our righteousness. Yeah, but I got to do everything perfect. Hey, church, this is where we have failed. It's okay for a pastor to say that, right? We've taught people to do everything right. Don't make a mistake. Don't fail. Tick all the right boxes. Because if I'm, if I'm not perfect, then I'm never good enough. I was never good enough. On my own, I was never going to be good enough. I was never, because every attempt that I made to be good enough, God looked at it as a disgusting rag. 
So he said, you know what? Since you can't be good enough on your own, then let me send the perfect one to be the good for you. And he will pay your price. He will pay your penalty. And his righteousness, the thing that made him right, righteousness simply means a right standing with God. And the thing that made you right standing with God is not a prayer you prayed. It's not a thing you did. It's a person. And the person is Jehovah Sidkenu. That person is Jesus. Uh, sorry. And see, if we keep this mentality that I have to work this thing out, that Jesus somehow didn't do it all. Well, how do you? Nobody really thinks that Jesus didn't do it all then why do we keep saying, do this, do this, do... I heard one preacher say, it becomes the, the land of the doo-doos. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Or don't do, don't do, don't do, don't do. And so when this happens, our mentality begins to say, I'm defective, I'm damaged, I'm broken, I'm flawed, I'm disgusting, I'm unlovable, I'm weak, I'm insignificant, I'm worthless, I'm unwanted, and that is not the way God sees you. That is you trying to look at yourself through the view of a filthy, filthy rag. See, that's all my righteousness is. And so when I hold my righteousness up to my face and begin to try to examine myself, that's how I look. But that's not how God sees me. Because it's not about my righteousness. He is my righteousness. And I look like Him. My right standing with God was never ever about me. It's always been about Jesus. Now wait a minute. I know I hear breaks all over the country. Surely I had something to do with this. The only thing you have to do with this, you ready? Get real hard. Is accept it as true. It's <laughs> the only thing you have to do with it. Just accept. And see what's hard is because we still have that, that, that dirty rag filter on. That always shows us unlovable, unclean, unworthy. And the only reason we feel that way is because we're not looking at the foot of the cross anymore. See, Jesus became our complete substitute for everything. He is that vicarious man who lived and existed and took humanity to the cross and crucified humanity on the cross so that he could be Jehovah Sidkenu. Jeremiah was prophesying about Jesus. He crucified our self-efforts of righteousness. And then, in exchange, I laid my filthy, dirty rag in front of him, and he started to unstrip. He started to strip, and he took off that crown of forgiveness that Ron was talking about, and places a crown of glory on our head. 
And He takes His robe of righteousness and wraps it around us. And so now, every time God sees us in our righteousness, in our right standing, He sees us in Jesus' robe. And we know Jesus has a good standing with God since He is God. (laughs) And so, after all these things, after, after all of this, when we or, or someone else gets awakened to this real salvation and what's already been provided for all men, we know what we have to do next. Continue to keep it. Well, how do I keep it? Continue to see yourself through the eyes of God. Because see, when you start thinking of yourself as unlovable, unworthy, not worth it, you start thinking of yourself as dirty, you'll start living that way. And then when you start living that way, your behaviors, we call it sin. And it starts with a mindset that you're viewing yourself through a filthy, dirty rag. When Jesus has put a beautiful, beautiful robe of righteousness on you. Galatians chapter 3. i got to stop. Man, I've studied so much of this this week. I'm just uh, about to blow up. Galatians chapter 3. And I'm reading this out of the message, and I know the message is a paraphrase. It's a good paraphrase. But I believe that he puts it in in a way that we need to hear this morning. In Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 10, out of the message, he says, "And And that means that everyone who tries to live by his own effort, independent of God, is doomed for failure. That everyone who tries to live by his own effort, independent from God, is doomed to fail. Scripture backs it up saying utterly cursed is every person who fails to carry out every detail written in the book of the law. So he's talking about all these laws and all these rules. When you don't carry them one out, you've got to carry them all out. And if you miss one, you're guilty of the whole thing. This is why Jesus came not to do away with the law, but as humanity, he fulfilled and completed the law. (laughs) And now the Old Testament bears this out, points to him. Verse 11, obvious, I'm sorry, the obvious impossibility of carrying out Such a moral program should make it plain that no one can sustain a relationship with God that way. The the law brought about sin. And he says when you try to live out this big moral plan that was in place, that man demanded to be in place. (coughs) Excuse me. He said it it becomes evident then that it's impossible to really please God because we're always breaking a law what if we didn't constantly consider about breaking a law but we were constantly aware of how God really feels about us that would change the way people live that would change the way people live when you constantly are aware I remember when my kids were little I hope it still works today as they're adults but when my kids were little 
I mean, if you remember, sometimes you didn't have to punish a child. You didn't have to whip a child, spank a child, however you did it in your house. No judgment here. Sometimes all you had to do was look at them and say, you know what, I'm just really disappointed. I could watch the look on my kid's face when I told them how disappointed I was that their behaviors didn't line up to my view of them. Imagine how God... See, if we told people how God really views them, imagine how we would live to constantly be in a place where he was always never disappointed because he'll never quit loving you. All right, I'm, anyhow, I'm tr trying to get out of some other stuff I'm studying now. <laughs> We're still in what verse 11? The person who lives in right relationship with God does it by embracing what God arranges for him. Doing things for God is the opposite of entering into what God does for you. That's, what we, that's where we find ourselves a lot of times. We try to do things for God and God is wanting us to realize, hey, I've done it all. All you have to do is enter into this rest. Enter into the rest that is Him. He, he goes on to say, Habakkuk had it right. The person who believes God is set right by God and that's the real life. The just, if you're wanting the King James Version, shall live by faith. That's what God wants. His faith is just continually to accept the reality that God, now let's, we're still in Galatians uh, 3 here, uh, verse 12. Rule keeping does not naturally evolve into living by faith. So keeping a bunch of rules doesn't, it doesn't cause me to believe God more or to trust God more. It's what, what, actually, it's the opposite. It causes me to believe in myself more. It causes me to trust in myself to sure up my salvation more. Why? Because I did everything right. And because I did everything right, God now loves me. So in other words, I somehow have the ability to tell God love. Remember John 4, several verses, verse 8, verse 16. God is love. He doesn't do love. He's not trying to love. He's not trying to get to the place where he can love you. He, he is love. But so when I go in, when I fall into this rule breaking, this rule keeping thing, I'm, I'm saying, okay, God loves me because he's pleased with me and everything I did. So in other words, I have the ability to move God according to my own will. I got to get moving. I'm doing a lot of teaching that I didn't plan on teaching. Rule keeping does not naturally evolve into faith, but only perpetuates itself more to more and more rule keeping. A fact observed in the scripture, the one who does these things continues to live by them. The one who walks in the law continues to live in the law. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us from that self-defeating, cursed life by absorbing it completely into Him. Christ has redeemed us. He has became our righteousness. 
Do not you remember that the word says that cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree. That is what happened when Jesus was nailed to the cross. He became a curse and that at that same time dissolved the curse. Glory to God. I tell you, you should be shouting at home. This bunch here, y'all be shouting. Because God just said, I'm going to take you and make you what I want you to be. Quit looking at yourself through your filthy, stained rags. Verse 14, And now, because of that, the air is cleared, and we can see Abraham's blessing is present and available for non-Jews too. We are all able to receive God's life, His Spirit, in and with us by believing, by having faith, by accepting this reality. Just the way Abraham should have received it. See, the thing is, guys, is when we begin to grasp that God is our righteousness and that all of our righteousness, what has made us right standing with God, comes through Jesus. Well, now, wait a minute. You still got to this, this, and this, and this. I'm not saying I don't change my behaviors, okay? Let's not get on to that. Quit trying to add to the message. I'm preaching what the Word says right now. We'll talk about changing our behaviors later. Because you'll change your behaviors when you get your mind right. If you've been in harvest, you've heard that before. When we begin to grasp that Jesus is our righteousness, then salvation becomes a rest. It becomes easy. Go to Romans chapter 3. Because here's some more scriptures that we leave people in a bad place in. Everybody take a deep breath. Okay. Romans chapter 3. See, when you understand Jesus is our righteousness, you can understand these scriptures a little better. In Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 21, because, and we're going to read verse 23 because that's usually where we leave people. Verse 21 says, Now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed. So what is God saying? He says, I'm going to give you righteousness without law. Why? Because Jehovah said canoe. Because he is our righteousness. He says, so now righteousness, this is King James Version if you're looking, without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus. (laughs) Jesus walking in that faith and walking out that reality as mankind brought righteousness without the law. Jehovah said, Jeremiah prophesied this is who he would be. So the righteousness... Of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. It was the faith of Jesus. See, again, this righteousness doesn't have anything to do with us. It's because of Jesus. Because of what Jesus did. Unto all. Oh. Unto all. That word unto means he declared all. It means to declare. Unto all and... Upon all them that believe. Now that word 
upon there is not the same word as to declare. So he declared all righteous. And to those who believe, that word upon means he superimposed his righteousness over them. So now our righteousness has been superimposed unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. And here's where we leave people. We never talk about those verses. We always want to jump to verse 23. For all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. See? What about the verse before that? Where he talks about the righteousness of God because of the faith of Jesus has come upon all and to those who have believed it has been superimposed upon their life. For all have sinned, absolutely, and fallen short of the glory of God. And we stop. How about we just, because if you're looking at King James Version, that's a semicolon. That means that sentence is not finished. You need to finish the sentence. Amen. Come on. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Verse 24. Finish the sentence. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. So all have sinned and been justified freely. That's just what the Scripture says. Through the redemption. It's all back to Jesus. It never has anything to do with us. It's all back to Jesus. And if we ever want to make this a reality in our life, all you have to do is accept it as a reality. Just make it yours. <laughs> Verse, and that's still not the end of the sentence. Because there's a colon there. So it continues. and being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be the propitiation. Big giant Christianese word there. You can take it down another part to atonement. Well, what's atonement? Another big giant Christianese word. It's actually, when you break that word down, it was actually the lid that sat on the mercy seat in the old covenant where they would take and pour the blood of the sacrifice where sin was deposited and sin was covered that's what that word broken all the way down means it was the mercy seat lid you see it's where sin see in the redemption of Jesus that's where sin was deposited and that's where sin was covered Through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins. His righteousness pointed the way to the remission of sin. It is Jesus' righteousness. Jeremiah said his name would be the Lord my righteousness. The Lord Jehovah Sidkenu. His righteousness points back. It declares the remission. That word remission means forgiveness of sin once and for all. 
taking them away. The remission of sins that are past through the self-restraint, the forbearance of God. Verse 26. See, all this, we still haven't hit a, a period yet. I'm still just reading one sentence. All this goes together. <laughs> to declare, I say, at this time, his, at when? At the, everybody say, at this time. Okay, that was weak. His righteousness. God is declaring right now His righteousness, not yours. To declare His righteousness. Why? That He might be just and the justifier. See, Jesus was not only the just, but He's the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Now, jump back a couple chapters. Is it okay if I just teach this a little bit more? Romans chapter 5. Starting in verse 6, I'm reading this one from the Passion Translation. For at one time, for when the time was right, the anointed one came and died to demonstrate his love for sinners who were entirely helpless, weak, and powerless to save themselves. For at the appointed time, Christ came to die for those who were weak who were beyond the point of helping themselves. And that's where humanity was. But that's not where God was willing to leave them. The vicarious man came to be humanity so that man could come back into that relationship. And, and, all, and really, this relationship was always settled even before the foundation of the world, if you read Ephesians. But I love how the Passion puts it here. His love for sinners who were in, that's a, that was us, who were helpless, and weak and powerless to save themselves. Even in the future. Jesus saw way into the future to do this. Verse 7. Now, who of us would dare die for the sake of a wicked person? We can all understand if someone is willing to die for a truly noble person. But I love verse 8 of Romans 5. But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place. While we were still lost and ungodly. I think the King James says, while we were still sinners. While you were still sinning, he died to forgive it. I love the way the message translation of that verse says. It says, while we were of no use to him whatsoever. Like a dirty rag. Like a filthy stained rag. He said, I'll still die for them and exchange my righteousness for theirs. Verse 9 and there is still so much more to say of His unfailing love for us. For through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration, You are now righteous in my sight. Well, how can He say that, Carrie? Because His name is Jehovah Sidkenu. He is our righteousness. And because of that blood, we have been made righteous. Why don't everybody act like it? Because nobody's told them. That's why we still have a message to preach. That's why there's still people who are out there unbelieving of this really, the, this reality. <laughs> 
For through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the declaration, you are now righteous in my sight. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you get who this is really all about? I'll, I'll give you a little heads up. Next week, we're going to look at the, his name where he says, he is our salvation. Maybe we should have started there. That's all right. <laughs> he says, and because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. Why? Because he, it's not about my righteousness anymore. And when I understand that, I look at him and say, how can I please you today? Not that he's never pleased with me, but what in my life causes me to live in a way that is not completely agreeing with this reality? And so what I do is I find that thing and I get that thing out of my life so that I can walk in this reality even more. This will change behavior. I got a message this week from one of our church members. I just want to, give me just a moment, let me read this one to you. She said I made her cry, but I don't know. I don't think she's lying to me. I get a message at 11.41 a.m. on Friday, or yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. And Sally sends this to me, and she says, Thought you might want some good news today. God who made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And she ends it with a big giant glory. And I'm sitting there putting the final touches on my message in my office. And I send her back. I said, here's a quick hint. That's what I'm preaching tomorrow. She said, now I'm crying. <laughs> I want to go back to that verse. And that verse is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. And we're going to close right here. Lord was speaking to Sally yesterday about this and thought I might want to hear the good news. See, this is the good news. The good news is he is my righteousness. I don't carry my filthy stained rag and I've got to quit seeing myself through a rag that should be discarded. Glory, that's good right there. The complete Jewish Bible says this of 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made this sinless man to be the sin offering on our behalf. Because he didn't even want you to have to pay for your sins. So he made him to be sin. He became all of that. God took it, absorbed it into himself as the one scripture we looked at already. And God made this sinless man to be a sin offering on our behalf. Now get this. I love the last, how this puts it. So that in union with him, and that's where we are right now. In union with him, we might fully share God's righteousness. It's, it's not a, a hope it happens. That's a declaration. 
what Jesus did made it possible for us to share God's righteousness. And that is how God sees you and I today. That is why Jeremiah said, I'm going to raise up one after the root of David. And he shall be called Jehovah Zidkenu. God is our righteousness. He did it all. We sing a song here a lot that says he's done it all. But funny how we fall from the believing actually that. And we still think there's something left for us to do. The hardest part of this reality is found in accepting it freely. And why that is hard for so many people to just accept it freely. But man, when we do, and we finally get to the point of quit looking at ourselves through a, something that should be discarded and it's filthy and it's dirty, and we see ourselves as His righteousness. Oh my gosh, what that won't do in our life. Let's pray and I'm going to give you some announcements real quick. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> thank you for trading my filth for your glory. Thank you for trading my righteousness, my filthy, blood-stained, gross attempts to make myself right with you. And you gave me your right standing where it's always about being right with you. Praise you. Thank you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you remind us of this. Like Martin Luther said, we need to hear this gospel every day because we forget it. Holy Spirit, just enliven us. Oh, we praise you, Holy Spirit. We praise you, Jesus, for what you did. We praise you, Father, for holding it all together and watching it all come. It was God. It was the triune God that made sure that this was the reality. And give us eyes to see. Because the Word tells us it's the enemy that blinds the eyes of people to this life that they can all have. So we praise you for it, Lord. No more insignificant thoughts. No more thoughts of unworthiness. But let us see ourselves through the robe of righteousness. Glory to God. In Jesus' name. Amen.